Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. There's plenty of options in today's world, but it all starts with you wanting it. All these options out there, it doesn't really matter if this isn't something that you've committed to be a priority in your life. It's again, just like working out. There's hundreds of gyms out there. You can even sign up for the gym. But if it's not a real priority in your life, it doesn't matter if you have the gym membership. It doesn't matter if you don't have all these options. You're just not going to do it. So always start off with why this is important to you. I think that there's a lot of people in today's world that are serious about the term generational wealth, and I think it's great to see. Maybe you want to build an abundant future for your children that you can pass down maybe that you didn't have or financial independence. Maybe you do or you don't like what you do for a living, but you want to give yourself the option down the road to be able to live life financially on your own terms. So starting off with that why is very important, and I think that's going to help you as you approach this stuff because it's one thing to kind of just consume the stuff for entertainment, which I think a lot of us fall victim to on social media, but it's another thing to go into it with purpose and actually get something out of it and use the information to, to start changing your life. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres, award-winning Latina personal finance expert. I didn't always have my financial shit together, but when I started looking for POC-friendly personal finance podcasts, I couldn't find any. And so Yo Quiero Dinero was born. On this show, I'll show you how to make dinero, how to keep your dinero, and most importantly, how to make it grow. Each week, I'm connecting you with the most brilliant minds in the world of money and business, so you can learn about investing, entrepreneurship, and building wealth. The best part? I'm dishing up all this knowledge with a sassy side of sazón. So if you're ready to be poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Let's dive in. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. Jose, welcome to the podcast. So excited to have you here. 
Great to be here. So I love what you do. You have a really big presence online and you're talking about investing as a first-generation Latino investor. And so I want to get to know you more. Let's get into your backstory first off as to how you found yourself in this space. Yeah, happy to. It's kind of a crazy story like I tell everyone. So I was born in Caracas, Venezuela. I'm an immigrant to the United States with my family. And I know you're from PR. So actually, I lived a little bit in PR before moving to the US. And that's where my younger brother was born. He was born in Aguadilla. My parents made the sacrifice of bringing me and my younger brother to the United States to give us an opportunity at life that they frankly didn't have. And I grew up in, in Central Florida in Polk County. And you know it was rough growing up in a very low-income home as immigrants. Parents barely spoke English. My mom really still doesn't speak English, honestly. My dad said at the end that you know, it was tough. And from a young age, I learned how important money was, right? And especially not having it. But of course, Latino growing up, what I did have was baseball. It gave me an opportunity to move up from the environment that I grew up in and allowed me to become the first person in my family to go to school here in the United States. So I'm very, very grateful to the game of baseball because I owe my entire life to it. And that was always my dream from day one, like a lot of you know Latino children growing up play Major League Baseball, right? But luckily, I was able to use it to get a scholarship. I decided to study finance in school because, well, like I mentioned, I knew money was important growing up. and I didn't have any of it. And it was something I could fit into the busy schedule of being Division I athlete, student athlete. And I knew there was good opportunities in the, in the world after if I didn't continue to play baseball. After my college career ended, I was lucky enough to land an opportunity in the investment management world with a very big firm that's well-known here in the United States. And you know, very grateful for the people that gave me the opportunity there. Just really got the experience and the knowledge that I've been able to, to share up to this point on social media. But a big part of my story that I think is important to, to share here is a lot of these Wall Street firms have very strict rules with what their advisors can and cannot do, especially on social media. I try to be very honest about this, but after my baseball career ended, I wasn't in a very good place personally. I was in this really white collar world and you know doing all this work, but I was using it to kind of try to fill a void in my life. It was like, well, I didn't play Major League Baseball, so working at this firm as this financial advisor is going to be the next big thing. That's what I was telling myself up here. After doing the work for a couple of years, I started to realize, well, am I really fulfilled doing this right now? I know that there's a lot of money that I can earn. I was on the, on the path to being an extremely successful financial advisor and got really great mentorship from my direct senior partners. But you know, I started kind of feeling this need to maybe start sharing some of this stuff with people that were like myself or anyone that really felt like they never had the opportunity to at least learn the basics of finance and investing, which I was getting to learn hands-on doing the work with real clients, managing real money. And I just got the crazy idea one day. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start sharing this on social media and see what happens. And of course, I knew going into it wasn't exactly something that was allowed. But at that point in time, it, it was something that was important to me enough to take that risk. And uh, long story short, you know, the first day of my first post ever, which I'll never forget, it was a very innocent post on, you know, what you can do with your tax returns. <laughs> you know, the firm gave me a call. They weren't very happy. And I was actually on a trip and I was the only Spanish speaking advisor that was able to go on these trips because a lot of my job was actually educating employees too. I had my book of business, but the team I was on, I had relationships with major corporations and part of the job was going on site and providing education. Of course, I was the only Spanish speaker, so I had to go all these different places. But I got I got pulled from the trip, I had to show up to Atlanta and they basically gave me an ultimatum. I said, you know, you know, you can't do this here. We think that you're going to be very successful here. You have a really bright future ahead of you. But, you know, if you want to do your own thing and not follow the rules, that's fine. That's fine, too. And it was crazy for me because I was going through a lot in my life and I realized I was making all these realizations in my life. I was like, man, you know, maybe I'm just like trying to be a people pleaser and I'm trying to use this job as, as a way to fill a void for something else in my life. And it was weird. It was a really interesting experience because my entire life up to that point, I was always so afraid to make other people upset with me. And, you know, I was always, I guess, a people pleaser. So it was like all this stuff going on at once. And I'm really really appreciative of this opportunity here. I'm the first person in my family to go to school in the US, first person to work in finance. I mean, this is crazy, but I'm going to I'm going to walk away and, and start this thing. That was 3 years ago and oh my god. 
it's been a grind. I mean, it's been a real grind and I'm very grateful for how far I've come and the impact I've been able to have. But it's funny because you see people post stuff on social media, you don't really get to know them and it's easy to make assumptions. But yeah, that's a long-winded way of explaining how I got to this point, but that's that's the truth. I'm amazed because honestly, like your story is so inspiring and I had no idea about the background of it. So like you said, people see the external success and they're just like, oh, well, this guy was obviously born with a silver spoon and da da da, right? And so then the work that you've put in to make this happen, I think it's even more impactful once you know the backstory. So first off, congratulations to you for making that choice because as someone who is first generation American doing the thing that people say, that's not why we came here. Right. (laughs) You're doing the complete opposite. So how did you wrestle with that, especially with your family? Like, what did you tell them? So this part cracks me up too, because like my dad, the only thing that man knows is baseball. He knew that I was pursuing a career in finance in case that my career didn't. And then, you know, my mom, like most Latina mothers, she's like, are you eating enough? Like, that's always been her thing. So it was such an interesting thing too, because of course, many of my direct colleagues at the time, they had family in wealth management. And, and I, in a way, didn't have that pressure. You know, it's like my parents are like, you know, we just want what's the best for you. My dad's like, well, you know, you're not playing baseball. So, you know, do what you think you need to do. And I told them, and they were kind of surprised because they knew it was a big deal to me getting that opportunity and how much work I put in it. I mean, I, I worked a ton there. They were surprised, but, you know, they're like, you know, if if you think that this is what you want to do, go for it. In one way, I am grateful that I didn't have that pressure because I know a lot of people, they have those kind of expectations from direct family members where like, no, this is what you have to do with your life. So that being said, again, it was very difficult in my baseball career and that I cannot stress that enough. And that's something I talked to about with a lot of former athletes that move into the professional world. But my parents are basically like, you do what you think is best for you. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Having their support, I think, is like make or break for a lot of us sometimes because we seek so much validation and approval in in what we're doing based on what they think about it. Okay, so you quit this job. You're like, I'm going to make this happen for myself. What does that actually look like, right? Because a lot of people have aspirations to start businesses, become influential in their zone of genius. But the idea of like building something from scratch can feel super overwhelming. So how did you do it? Yeah, that's a really great question. And my entire mindset when I when I first made that decision is like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to to make this thing happen because I knew how much opportunity I was leaving on the table. I mean, I knew how much money my senior partners were making and what I could have made if I stayed at the firm and continued to do the work. So I think it all begins with understanding that this is something that you have to take serious if you do want to make it full-time thing. For some people, you know, if you want to build something on the side, it's kind of a lifestyle thing, that's perfectly fine. But if you're in a position where you believe that this is something that you want to do 100%, you have to treat it from the very beginning as much as you can as a legitimate business. I always tell people, I didn't know anything about content. I didn't know anything about marketing or anything. I was just a finance guy. Like I always told people at the very beginning, I was like, I don't know, I'm just a finance guy. I don't know. But I had to overcome that mentality too, because if you are going to start being in business for yourself, hey, you have to kind of be somewhat of a marketing person. You don't have to be an expert, but you have to understand the basics of branding. I had to learn what is a sales funnel? What is content? How do I shoot this video? How do I put captions on things? You know, what type of content do people want? So it was another crazy thing too, because it wasn't like I was just stepping away from something. I knew exactly what I had to do. I just kind of like made this crazy leap of faith and really had no idea what I was doing. (laughs) I knew the finance stuff, which is obviously the most important. So if you are going to start your own thing, of course, it's good to have that base of value that you can bring to other people. But you also have the mentality, have to have the mentality that you're just going to figure it out one way or another. And I think that a lot of people in entrepreneurship, the reason why they make it, regardless of what they do, is because of that, I'm going to figure it out. I'm not going to give up when things get tough type of mentality, which is definitely important. So I think that's what's helped me the most. And continuing to learn from people, you know, in some cases, if you have to hire coaches or mentorship or whatever it is that you have to do to get access to the information that's missing, I think that that's a very smart thing to do. And even working with other people that can help you. You know, I've worked with different marketing agencies. I've had people help me with putting together content and, and editing and things like that. So there's different stages of the game. And I'm I'm not a multimillionaire, like I always tell people. I'm still in the process of, of building this thing because I'm starting from scratch, like many of us. But 
I think that the mindset is, it's so cliche, but it's, it's really what makes or breaks you. I think that's the perfect segue into the type of mindset that you need to be to be a successful investor as well, right? Because you're yeah. going to start from zero. You're not going to know anything. You're going to have to invest time and energy into learning. You might have to hire coaches. You might have to make mistakes and reevaluate. So I want to talk about investing because I think for our community, especially, there are so many myths there's so much cultural baggage that I think stops us from beginning the journey. And so amongst your conversation with people, what are some of the most recurring themes that you hear as to why they are not investing? There's a handful I can think of. Of course, the number one that comes to mind is, is risk. And like I always tell people hundred percent, there is definitely risk in investing, but it's not a matter of avoiding risk. It's a matter of understanding and managing risk and actually having a plan in what you're investing in and understanding why you're investing in it, understanding the risks involved with it and why you're taking that risk in the first place. Other limiting beliefs that I come across is the idea that you have to have tens of thousands of dollars saved up before you can start. It's not true, right? You can start right where you are right now and just incorporate a portion of your income towards building assets. And a lot of people are like, well, you know, I, I want to be investing two, five, ten thousand $10,000 a month. Why, why should I start with a couple hundred? It's like, well, everyone starts somewhere. And like I tell people also, it's not so much about the amount that you start off with. It's about building that habit of paying yourself first, which is people talk about all the time, but it's really one of the most important habits that you can develop if you want to be successful in building long-term wealth. And I think it kind of has kind of like a snowball effect because you see, oh, this, this actually works. I'm seeing my investment accounts go up in value just by doing this. That's going to motivate me to see how do I increase my income even more so I can afford to put away even more and build more assets. So I think number one is just the idea that investing is too risky. Of course, if you look at the numbers, understand inflation and everything, well, of course, not investing long-term is much more risky because you can't save your way to wealth. You can't save your way to financial independence or whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. And also just, I think something that I've learned too, this kind of journey of mine is there's a lot of beliefs that we have about money that we were in instilled in or instilled in us rather growing up that we have to kind of confront because one mistake that I've made in the past with my content and stuff is just trying to hit people with the technical stuff. And that's okay. It's important to know that stuff. But, you know, if you never like see yourself as someone that can build wealth and think it's okay to earn money and it's okay to invest, those are things you have to work through. And these aren't conversations that our parents had with us and it's not their fault. They were just trying to survive. When you grow up in an environment where it's just primarily survival, no one's talking about stock market or financial planning or anything like that. It's like there's these beliefs that we have that were put in us for survival. Save as much as you can so there's money there in case something happens. Don't use all these different things that a lot of us Latinos and Latinas have had to really experience growing up because of how tough things were. And it has that scarcity mindset that's really established in us. And that's something I have to work through still. I just turned 28 last month, but these are things that are deeply ingrained in your subconscious mind that you have to work through because if you don't, all the other stuff, price to earnings ratio, all these other stuff, it doesn't matter, right? Because if you can't get through these like these really subconscious blocks, it's going to have a really big impact on how you view money and what you do with it too. Absolutely. I'm so glad that you brought that up because like you said, we can get the blueprint for what we need to be doing. But if we don't first believe that it's something that we can realistically achieve, it's something that we are worthy of. I mean, it doesn't matter. So I love that you brought that up. Now let's dive into the idea that it's too risky, right? Because I hear that so often. How can we actually assess what level of risk we are comfortable with? That's a great question. So that concept that you just talked about is called risk tolerance. And basically that just means how comfortable am I personally as an individual with seeing my account go up and down in value? Because this is definitely part of investing, right? So there's a number of ways. I mean, when I was a financial advisor, we had the standard questionnaire that you give to people. There's plenty of them online. Just look up risk tolerance questionnaire and it'll just give you a couple different questions. Like you have this amount invested, If the account goes down by this much, how likely are you to panic and sell? Questions like that. And at the end of the questionnaire, it'll say, okay, well, based off of your responses, we think that you have a moderately aggressive appetite for risk. So pretty aggressive, not all the way to the right, but not very scared of risk either. And all of us have unique tolerances for risk. So that's one way. But I think the best way that you can actually 
really understand how okay are you with seeing ups and downs in your investments is to actually experience volatility, actually experience bear markets and drops in the markets and see how that makes you feel. Because it's kind of like a video game versus real life. It's one thing to do it in practice or in the video game, but it's another thing to actually see it actually happen to you. See your hard-earned money go down in value. So there's plenty of, of free resources out there that you can use to kind of assess how comfortable you are with risk. But I think that the best teacher is definitely experience. And I know the markets have been a little bit rocky to start off the year now. A lot of people are talking to me about that. I'm like, well, you need to understand it's actually good for you to see this because we know after almost 100 years of market data, yes, stocks go up long term, but the market works in cycles, bear markets, bull markets, bear markets, bull markets. And you need to understand it ahead of time because if you're newer to investing, you've probably only seen markets go up. And now we're seeing, okay, that's not always the case. And the people that really make it long term, you don't have to be a genius. You don't have to get the highest returns possible, but you just have to be able to be self-aware, of course, have a plan and not make the emotional mistakes that other people make because they either don't know what they're doing or they're thinking too short term. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm I'm recently uh, turned 36. And so I was one of the cohort of humans who graduated from school right around the Great Recession. So I graduated wow. about six months before the Great Recession of 2007, 2008. And so seeing that, you know, I literally just started investing 22 years old, putting money in my 401k. And then I'm like, oh, wait a right. minute, hold on, what's happening? I don't know what told me not to panic, but I didn't like I didn't keep investing, but I didn't take out what I had already put in. And now right. like all these years later, I see the fruits of having that forethought. So when I yeah. saw what happened in 2020, I was like in a completely different mindset. I'm like, wait a minute. Oh my God, the market's on sale again. And so right. I think getting to that place, it feels so counterintuitive to a lot of folks, but I like to think about it. Like if you can pay a discounted price on something that you use every day in your house, like why wouldn't you? So it's the right. same exact concept when we're talking about investments, you want to get them at the lowest possible price so that you can let them do their thing and then reap the benefits later. Exactly. Yeah, it's one of those things that's much easier said than done, right? Everyone says, well, it's just, just buy low, sell high, right? Well, you know, it's sometimes it's a little bit more difficult when that actually happens, when we see a drop in the market and the natural things say, well, I'm just going to wait until it goes back up. Well, what are you doing now? You're buying high and, and then if you're panicking, you're selling low. So like you mentioned, experience is a great teacher and doing your best to think about it rationally, not emotionally. Because again, it's our harder money. We want to make the emotional decision, the survival decision. You have to find a way to work through that. And again, understand market history, understand that investing is a long game. And these things help get the odds on your side, which is really the most important thing. I think another thing that overwhelms a lot of people is like figuring out what their actual goal with investing is. Mm. So figuring out what that number is, how much do I need to be saving? What if I need to plan for helping family? Like all of yeah. those logistical questions can make folks just be like, I, I can't even answer this question. So I'm not even going to try. What's your thoughts on that? I think the best place to start is with the end in mind and understanding what that end goal is. Now, that being said, I recognize that sometimes it can be daunting for people. They're like, I, I don't know. I guess retire. I guess pass down generational wealth. I don't know. And that's okay. But I think it's, it's important to start somewhere, at least have an idea. Because when you at least have an idea of what the end goal is, you can put a, a strategy around that. But if you make the mistake of saying, well, I just want to build wealth, the example I give people is like, okay, well, if you just want to build wealth, that's just like saying, well, I'm going to go to the airport and take whatever flight I get, you know? But in reality, maybe you're trying to fly down to San Juan, but you just went to the ticket counter and you got the first flight that you could, not even looking at what the destination was. And, you know, you end up in like South Africa. You touch down, and you're like, what am I doing in South Africa? I was trying to get to San Juan. Well, if you actually, you know, came up with the plan to say, well, I, this is where I'm actually trying to go, then it wouldn't, you wouldn't be such a victim to, to circumstance. So I think that as far as the goals go, I think it's easiest to start with what's the primary one big one for you. So for example, and this is really important to understand is everyone's different, right? And that's another thing to keep in mind here. But let's say, for example, you are serious about achieving financial independence sooner than later. Okay, great. What does that look like for you? Are you going to replace 100% of the income that you're earning right now? If so, by when? How long does that money have to last you? How much you're going to have to be paying in taxes? And when you understand these things, then you can back into the strategy. Okay, what types of investment accounts should I be using? 
how much should I be investing and how much does my money need to be growing by in order to hit that that number for me. And then once I transition to living off my investments, how long can I live off of these investments if the market does this or that? Now, that's me coming from a financial planning background, but the person that's listened to this has no idea. Again, I empathize with you and I'll say that there are a lot of helpful free financial planning tools online that don't 100% replace a true financial plan with working with a financial planner, but it's much better than nothing. Because again, if you at least have a rough idea, you can make projections, you can say, okay, well, maybe 20% of my income isn't enough. Maybe I need to work to increase my income so I can afford to accumulate more assets that, that grow in value so I actually get closer to achieving that goal. So the majority of people here in the United States, they invest for retirement. That's fine. I think that's a great goal. But I also would say, keep in mind, what are your personal circumstances? Because people have family. Maybe you have children that you want to help have a better head start financially than what you had. Maybe you can use custodial accounts for that or help them go to school using something like a 529 plan. So do your best to begin with the end in mind. Be as, as clear as you possibly can with those goals. And then with that, you can start backing into the other pieces of the puzzle. I love that advice. Okay, so we know that the pay gap is real, especially when we're talking about the Latino community in general, but I think Latinas even more so. So what do you say to folks who are like, yeah, cool, I should start investing. Everybody's telling me that, but like, I don't have any money. How do I get started when I only have like $10, $20 to spare? What accounts can I use? What should I be buying with this? What are you? Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. Thoughts? That's a really great question too. And I think that going back to the mindset thing, I think that it's really important to realize that in today's world, the reason why people get paid because you're able to provide value to a certain type of person or to an organization or whatever it is. Again, I know this is much easier said than done, but if you can commit to either building some sort of skill set, some sort of knowledge base while you're grinding it out, doing what you're doing right now, just to make sure that the bills are paid and everything's taken care of. I think that's one of the best investments that you can make in yourself and your time. And with all the opportunities available in today's world online, social media and everything, you definitely can take it upon yourself to, to increase your income. Again, much easier said than done, but I think that that's important for me to say because you know we always have that amount of really control over our earning power. I think it's important to adopt that mentality. 
And second, I would say depends on where you are. I think the majority of people, they do their investing through their employer's plan, which may or may not make sense. Again, depending on your goal, depending on your employer's plan. But if you find that it is a solid retirement plan and you do want to build some wealth for down the road to at least get the ball rolling, I think that's the easiest place for you to start because you can automate a portion of your income to go into that plan. You don't even have to think about it. It's kind of like putting your bills on auto pay. Like I tell people, you know, your, your phone bill gets paid. You don't really even think about the money that's going to, towards that. So it's a little bit cliche, but people say, well, treat investing kind of like a bill. And if you can do that, even if it's $50 a week or $100 every two weeks, whatever it is, again, start with what you can. And then as far as amounts go, it's not as important what you start putting away. It's, you know, what can you start off with and build that habit because that's what's going to motivate you to continue to improve. I, I use working out as an example, right? It's like, well, if you walk into the gym for the very first time in your life, it's not about trying to you know, have the best bench press or run the fastest mile or whatever. It's like, how do you just start getting in shape and, and stay consistent? You start seeing some progress. You're like, oh, wow, this actually works. You know, I'm going to make it more of a priority in my life. So I don't think that you should be so overwhelmed by the gap between what you think you should be investing or should be earning. I think it's more about establishing these habits as soon as you possibly can. And remember, the longer that you have invested because of how compounding works, people forget this as well. You can invest either as much or even less as someone else that starts later than you and end up with more wealth in them simply because of that snowball effect that you have working on your side too. So I, I think that's that's really important to, to realize. And when people look at the numbers like, oh, wow, $200 a month or whatever, that, that goes a lot further than I thought. So I think that there's both angles. It's realize that you should make it a priority in your life to increase your income. But at the same time, work with what you can right now, understand the basics of what you're doing, and then use that momentum to continue to move forward. Yeah, I cannot stress enough how much I agree with you on both of those fronts, especially the earning income part, because we really have two options here, y'all. We have the option of waiting for the government, waiting for corporate America to figure out that we should be paid our worth, or we can take things into our own hands. And like you said, we have so much access to different ways to monetize our skill sets now with the power of the internet that the only limitation I believe that most of us have is the creativity. Do yeah. you actually think you can do this? Because I started all my businesses for like less than $100. Okay, so I'm like the queen of starting shit for free. <laughs> and I promise you that you can do it too. <laughs> so let's start uh, exploring those side hustles. Yo, obviously, you know where to go to find out more about that. So one of the things that I didn't know when I first started was like what I was actually investing in. So mm. inside of a workplace retirement account, like a 401k, 403b, what are you typically investing in? Great question. So inside these workplace retirement plans, majority of them, they're going to give you kind of like a menu, in most cases, mutual funds. So to break that down as simply as I can, a mutual fund is basically a pool of money that invests its money in a particular strategy or a particular type of investment. Easiest example is to say it's a S&P 500 index fund. That fund, that investment takes its investors' money and invests in the largest 500 publicly traded companies in the United States. And then depending on how those 500 companies do, as you hold that investment of the, of the S&P 500 index fund, that's how your investment in that fund is going to perform. So there's a number of different types of available options inside retirement plans. By default, most of them have something called like a target date fund, which is what a lot of people opt in for if they want to be very hands-off with their employer's plan, which basically says, okay, it's a 2060 T. Rowe Price target date fund. That means that they're assuming that you're going to retire in the year 2060. And one of the main rules in investing is the longer the time that you have between now and when you're going to need the money the more risk that you can afford and probably should take because that way you can have that growth in your portfolio by being aggressive and investing in more stocks and bonds and cash, for example. So target date funds are one of the most popular options inside workplace retirement plans. And then there's other types of mutual funds too. So if you want to have access to a particular type of fund, for example, an international fund that invests in countries outside of the United States, you can do that. And it really depends on what your plan allows for because every workplace retirement plan is different. Some of them allow you to invest in your company stock. Some of them allow you to invest in really anything that you want, which can be rare, but that's that's an option too. The simplest way is to think about is usually you're giving that menu. And then your job is to pick from that menu 
what makes the most sense for what you're trying to accomplish. And especially with the retirement account, that's something that you should not even be thinking about until much further down the road because you're not supposed to be able to access those penalty-free until 59 and a half. If you at least start off with that mentality, you understand, okay, this is a long-term investment type of thing. I think it helps you make those decisions a little bit more. I love that. Okay. So we also have a lot of self-employed people, freelancers, Mm. 1099 workers who listen to this podcast and they don't necessarily have access to one of those accounts. So what would be your advice for somebody who's still obviously even if you love your job and you want to do it forever, maybe you can't do it forever. So we have to plan for retirement as entrepreneurs too. Uh, What advice do you have around that? So there's a number of different options you have when it comes to either small business or self-employed retirement plans. One of the simplest that I think that most people can opt in for is called a SEP IRA, SCP IRA. The benefit to that is the contributions come directly from your company's profits So that's actually a deduction from your business's net profits, which can potentially reduce the income tax that you owe, depending on how your business is set up, of course. And that money grows tax deferred, just like in a 401k. And then you also have the option to do something like a solo 401k, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's a 401k plan, but for self-employed individuals. And in many cases, your spouse can actually contribute to that as well. And main difference between the two is one of them is a 401k plan. 401ks typically have the highest level of creditor protection out of all the different types of retirement accounts out there. Depending on profits, have high contribution limits compared to something like a traditional IRA or Roth IRA, which you can only put $6,000 in or $7,000 if you're 50 plus. So I would say this is definitely a good question to have with a tax advisor. I always advise to speak with a tax professional, especially if you are self-employed or have a little bit more of a complex financial situation than just someone with a W-2 income. But understanding what are your tax objectives, what are your business's objectives, and going into that conversation, understanding those, again, beginning with the end in mind, that allows you to back into, okay, well, I think a SEP IRA may make sense for me because I can be a lot more flexible with the contributions. Maybe you have a down year and I don't have to contribute from the business's profits where solo 401k, technically you are supposed to be continually contributing to the account. So there's all these different nuances, but long story short, there are options for you. Even if you're not employed at a corporation that offers a 401k, it's just understanding what it is that you're trying to accomplish and going from there. Love that. Okay. So I think a lot of us are also planning not only to build wealth for ourselves, but for children to support Mm -hmm. our parents, because for many of us, we are just the first ones to even be thinking about this stuff. So let's talk about children first. How are some ways that people can invest for their kids? What type of accounts can they use and what can they be used for? Sure. So again, starting off with the financial goal, because that's what's going to determine what account makes the most sense. So a lot of parents that I speak with, they are primarily trying to help their children go to school because, of course, we've seen college tuition is even crazier than the recent actual inflation that we've been seeing. And it's I think it's only going to continue until something changes. So that can be a goal to invest for. And one of the most popular options specifically for that is called a 529 plan, which is a investment account that's designed specifically to be used for either college education, or they've added private K through 12, in some cases, trade schools as well. This can be a great way to help your child really put themselves in a position to have plenty of resources to use when they decide to go to college. And that money can be used for all things like tuition and other qualified educational expenses. And the main benefit to this account is that the money grows tax deferred, kind of like a Roth IRA or 401k. So the money grows without you paying taxes on it. And then as long as you withdraw the money for these qualified educational expenses, that money comes out tax-free as well. So it can be a very, very good account to use, but only for education. And the reason why I say only for education is because if you use it for anything else, you may get hit with taxes and penalties when you withdraw the money. So you have to be really careful about what types of accounts you use. And then for another option is, well, let's say you don't really know if your child's going to go to school or not, or you're primarily just trying to help them out financially when they become an adult. For this option, one of the main things that you can use is called a custodial account. And there's two primary types. There's the UGMA and the UTMA. And they're very, very similar. But basically, the way these accounts work is you fund the accounts, you can invest in the market, other types of assets, that money grows over time. And then once the child legally becomes an adult, and that depends on the state and then what type of account that you're using too, 
because age majority depends on on both those factors. But once once they become an adult, according to the law, those assets are then transferred to them. So you can help them out and give them a nice cushion of quarter million dollars when they turn 21 or 25, depending on what you're using. That'd be nice. And then hopefully at that point in time, you've coached them, educated them, and they know what to do with it up to that point. So again, going back to starting with a goal, there's plenty of educa- uh, educational options for investment accounts. And then there's also just general, I want to provide a solid head start. And that's where the custodial account can make a lot of sense. Yeah. Knowing what your options are are so important, y'all, because then you can figure out what makes the most sense. And maybe you decide you want to have both. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that either. Okay. So let's talk about people who want to invest in order to support their aging parents. What options do we have there? Do we just save in our own brokerage accounts? Do we open one up for them? Like, what, what do we do? Yeah, that's a great question. You have you have a couple of options, and I'm glad that you asked this because this is this is one of my primary goals financially in life is to to provide for my aging parents who can't really work too much longer, and they're going to need some support above and beyond what they receive from Social Security. So you can always have your own taxable brokerage account that you can use for whatever. Like I say, brokerage accounts, taxable accounts, they're the most flexible because you can fund them as much as you want. You can use the money for whatever you want. And of course, you just owe taxes on capital gains and dividends and so on. So that's always an option. You can own one jointly. You can make them beneficiary of, of it. Something happens to you. That's always an option. And then a little bit more advanced, but depending on your situation and how complex you want it to be, you can always draft a, a revocable trust if you want to use the assets while they're still alive and, and have them use a certain way for particular sorts of things. And that, again, I think is smart to work with an estate attorney to make sure that all that's really drafted correctly. But you have a couple of options. Now, I wouldn't say there are accounts specifically for parents like there are for children, right? But depending on the complexity of of what's going on, you can definitely build some assets and support them one way or another, whether that's a portfolio that provides them with some income, transfer a portion of assets to them, and they can do whatever they want with it. Again, kind of understanding what the end picture is and what the end goal is, it's going to help you with that. Yeah. And I think a lot of these conversations really do warrant hiring CFP, someone who can help you talk through these really Definitely. complex situations. Like for me, that's one area that I felt like I'm not equipped to see the entire picture myself. Right. I hired a fiduciary fee only CFP. We talked through the plan. She gave me options. And I felt so much better just knowing that now I know what right. I can do. And having that support system, I think, is what reduced my level of anxiety around it. So don't feel like you got to figure this out alone. There are professionals out here to help y'all. 100%. So let's wrap this up with your thoughts or advice on folks who are like, you know what? I know I want to get started investing, but I am so overwhelmed with where to start. What's your best advice? It's a great question. And I mean, there's a lot of great resources online in today's world. I know you do a fantastic job for people. I do my best to be a value for people as much as I can for free. So I think it's smart to start with the free resources, start with people that are vetted, that have professional experience or have been successful enough in their own ventures to to be able to speak to these things. So start with the free resources, whether that's YouTube, Instagram, free eBooks, guides, whatever, to help you to start getting an understanding of at least the basics. And then I think that it does help to take that next step and either invest in your own education. I have my own financial education company, Financial University, which is exactly what we do. We help people take that next step and really understand the ins and outs of the stuff at a deeper level so they can either become their own financial advisor or at least understand what their options are and actually having a real plan in place and the skills and knowledge base necessary to succeed in building long-term wealth. So there's plenty of options in today's world, but it all starts with you wanting it. All these options out there, it doesn't really matter if this isn't something that you've committed to be a priority in your life. It's again, just like working out. There's hundreds of gyms out there. You can even sign up for the gym. But if it's not a real priority in your life, it doesn't matter if you have the gym membership. It doesn't matter if you don't have all these options. You're just not going to do it. So always start off with why this is important to you. I think that There's a lot of people in today's world that are serious about the term generational wealth, and I think it's great to see. Maybe you want to build an abundant future for your children that you can pass down maybe that you didn't have or financial independence. Maybe you do or you don't like what you do for a living, but 
you want to give yourself the option down the road to be able to live life financially on your own terms. So starting off with that why is very important. And I think that's going to help you as you approach this stuff, because it's one thing to kind of just consume the stuff for entertainment, which I think a lot of us fall victim to on social media, but it's another thing to go into it with purpose and actually get something out of it and use the information to to start changing your life. Yeah, y'all. When I first found out about the concept of financial independence, it was by listening to podcasts. And then I dove into blogs. And then I started retrofitting my own personal situation for like how I can achieve this. And that's literally how it starts. It really just starts with understanding what the options are, figuring out what your goal is, and then creating that plan and realizing that it's going to take some time. Like wealth is not built in six months. It's not built in two years. This is, it's called generational wealth for a reason, right? It takes a generation to create it. But if you can be that person who like changes the lineage of your family and the financial future for generations to come, like, I think it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. And I think, you know, when we see it that way, we can realize how much actual power we have to change the future. Absolutely. hundred percent. So Jose, for folks that want to find out more about Financial University, find out more about you and follow your journey, where's the best place for us to find you? Yeah. So I'm primarily most active on Instagram. So my handle is my name, the Jose Rafael Hernandez. And then I have a Twitter, which I use sometimes. That's Jose underscore financial you. TikTok is something I'm taking seriously this year. Same username. It's uh, Jose underscore financial you. And then YouTube is also something I'm starting to hit pretty hard. I believe it's under Financial University on there. So you should be able to find a couple of videos and I'm working with my editors and team to, to really start putting out a lot of YouTube content. But I'd say primarily Instagram is my main hub, but trying to trying to branch out and be on some other platforms too. I love it. And I want to thank you so much for being here for really breaking this down into what it actually takes to be an investor. It all starts up here, y'all. Like it all yeah. starts with the mind. Once you have decided that this is something that you want to do, then it's a matter of just putting your plan in place and going for it. And I want to thank you for the work that you do to simplify these concepts and just make it super relatable. It's so appreciated and keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, thank you. And I want to say thank you for what you're doing in this space too, especially for our people. It was really interesting for me to see professionally. We had another Latino on the team. His name was actually Jose Hernandez too. Of course it was. There's not a lot of us. And I don't strictly make content for minorities or Latino or Latina people, but a lot of people that follow me are, they can kind of understand where I'm coming from with this stuff. So, and I think that's important for me to continue to share because sometimes I get so caught up in just the financial education stuff because that's my primary thing. But I also like the fact that people resonate the fact that I'm just, I'm not just some financial guy. You know, this, this is something that it's been a journey for me. And last thing I'd say is remember that this is a journey. It's so easy with social media to feel like this pressure that it has to happen overnight. I know I fall for this all the time because there's so many successful people in this space that I follow and, and look at for motivation and, and to learn from. And I'm like, man, you know, this person's doing this and that. And you have to remember that everyone's running their own race and people have their own challenges. Uh, they have their own opportunities. They have different things that happen in their lives that set them up one way or another. So definitely have your own goals, definitely control what you can control. And remember that this is a journey and do your best to enjoy it while you're going through the journey, which is another thing that I'm not the best about because I'm so, I get so locked into the task at the hand and things that I need to be doing. And then, like I mentioned earlier, I just turned 28 last month. And it's like, man, like, where's time going? You know, it's like, (laughs) it's crazy. My advice to you, just person to person, is if you're listening to this, it's like, find a way to try to enjoy the journey as you're building what you're building too, because it's not just about the end result. It's also about the development that you ex- experience as a person and the things that you go through. And, and there's a lot of beauty in that. So, yeah, I really love that message. And I want to say really quickly that, you know, I think a lot of us tend to focus on why didn't our parents do this for mm. us? You know, why am I the one that has to be this person? Why is there so much pressure? And I'm like, Y'all, the pressure you're putting on yourself, we have the privilege to be able yeah. to even talk about this stuff and yes. think about this stuff. And when you reframe it that way, I think it just makes the journey so much more positive and you really get to see like your true power. So focus on the fact that you have the privilege to talk about these things and to think about this stuff and go forth with that. 
Definitely. Yeah. That's something I've realized too. You know, as I get older, I really understand and appreciate much more of what my parents actually did to even give myself a shot to be in this position right now. You know, it's one thing when you're a kid growing up and you're going through the struggle and you're wondering why are all these things happening to me and why does my friend get to do this stuff? It's easy to fall into that when you're a kid, but when you start growing up a little bit and you see the world for what it is, you're like, oh, wow, they did the best they could. And sometimes that's all you can ask for. For sure. Jose, thank you so much for being here. And I can't wait for folks to tune into this episode. I know they're going to love it. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you are ready to take your dinero to the next level, sign up for our free 14-page guide, The Financially Lit Latina the ultimate blueprint for becoming poderosa with your dinero. This 14-page guide includes our best tips on money mindset, budgeting, debt repayment, career, investing, financial independence, side hustles, and more. And you can get it completely free. So to get your copy of the Financially Lit Latina, just head over to yoquierodineropodcast.com slash start. That's yoquierodineropodcast.com slash start and start transforming your dinero story today. Until next time, stay empowered, stay inspired, and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated contents constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.